Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. I'm very excited today. Uh, my guest is somebody I've really admired. He is a pioneer in the advertising industry. He is a marketing guru, and when we say guru, I mean guru. His name is Happy Chigila. How are you? Um, well, thanks, Didi. Are you happy? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tough act to follow. You, know? you get given this name, and people expect you to be happy <laughs> all, all, the time. all the time. Yes. I do, I do my best to be, but, you know, this yeah. is the real world. You, you have your moments. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've ever known you outside of being an adult, so I'm kind of curious, where did you grow up? Do you have siblings? You know, what's your home like? Yeah, I'm uh, born and bred, brewed and put together in Soweto. In Soweto. Yeah, I actually spent a long, all my youth, my young life there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do have siblings. I have two sisters and uh, my little brother who's not so little anymore. Oh. Um, yeah, and I've had a very interesting life with them. Yeah. Yeah. Still very close. Yes, uh, we had to be. You know, our parents yeah. died when, when we were all young, and I ended up being the guy who mm. wakes up one day and your siblings are your children. Yeah. But, you know, it happens in, in every community, and in this case it was me, and I had to bring them up. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure they're very grateful for that. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you obtained the BA communications from the University of Fortier. You know, a lot of people sometimes think, you know, we become professionals without uh, qualifications. And you're one of those people. I mean, I think you are such a guru in advertising that we just took it for granted. But just so that you know, he's got a BA in communications. Um, but you've worked in so many diverse fields. What made you choose the fields, communications, marketing and advertising? They actually all link up if, yeah. if, if, if you trace my, 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 my background. I studied communications because I wanted to be a journalist. I was such a, 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 a person who wanted to be an activist mm -hmm. uh, because I grew up with this idea that I could write. And I wanted and to you be- you can. That's you. a nice thing about it. And <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be a journalist and that's why I went into media studies. Uh, that's why I did communications. Mm -hmm. But then again, you know, uh, life doesn't turn out that way all the time. And so I started at Unilever. And that's where my communication, or rather my marketing career began. It's the classical school of marketing, isn't Precisely, it? Precisely, yeah. And, you know, I started as a, we're in part of some kind of a cadet program. And I started as a, as a, as a, as a, sale, as a sales rep, mm. something that I value a lot because that helps you understand how customers yeah. behave. Yeah. And so that's how my, my career started. So I went Unilever, then I worked at IBM, then I went to Tiger. Then I went into Ogilvy. All those are huge brands, aren't they? Yeah, and which is good when, when you're young because you will learn stuff. And, you know, Unilever is referred to as the academy. Mm. They teach you the basics and the discipline of what actually happens in marketing. Mm. And then you move to IBM where the company was really, really properly put together. Yes. And then I, I moved to, to Tiger. Yeah. And I worked on a huge brand called King Con. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. It's, it was I remember an, something it, like that. <laughs> it was an industry on its own. People yeah. just could not understand that that's so going to be a world. Oh, yeah. It's how so huge it yeah. is. Yeah. 
And then, of course, I went into, into advertising. So if you mm. think about it, all of those things link, link together. Mm. And ultimately, when I went into, in, into advertising at, at Ogilvy, I actually think I, that's where I discovered what I really wanted to do mm. with my life and my yeah. career. And of course, it then segues into, into, into yeah. the formation of Headboard. Just, you wanted to write and you still managed to write. <laughs> I did. So you wrote a book, which, you know, the title is interesting in itself. Black Jerusalem, um, and it kind of shares your experiences uh, within Head Boys yeah. because you guys were really the pioneers in terms of black advertising agencies. But why did you spell boys the way you did in Head Boys? So Head Boys, mm -hmm. think about a Head Boy that because that's what we were thinking that that herds cattle, yeah, or sheep or whatever. Yeah. However, in this case, we use the boy at sea. Oh. So we were herding our clients in the right direction at sea because that's what a boy is used for at, at, at sea. And there was a okay, I never would have thought of that. And we, we were yes. deliberate about the name yes. because people were always going to ask us, why did you spell it the way you yes. did and why Head Boys? Yes. And if you think about the time when Head Boys was formed, there was no other black ad no, agency. And we needed to grab the attention of the people. We were advertising practitioners. Yes. So the name needed to draw people yes. into wanting to find out more about us and in the process for us to garner publicity. But you see, this is why I always think education is so important. That kind of thinking, because people just think you come up with names. It just comes from nowhere. The thought process yeah, and the look, strategic thinking around it. For me, that's always what's amazing. There was method in our madness. Yes. <laughs> but what, what was the message in your book? The message in the book really the, talks about the challenges that ad agencies face when they go into pitches. Mm -hmm. And that's what I talk about. That uh, it's, it's, it's actually quite educational about the things that you, you can or cannot do when you go into a pitch. I'll give you one example. So suddenly you're at an ad agency and you've been invited to a pitch. The question is, does the client really want to appoint you? Yes. Do they really want to get rid of the ones that they have at the moment? Yeah. Or are they just doing an exercise because three years is over? One of the things that we do, or we used to do, was find out the hidden agenda. Mm. What is it that this client is trying to do? Mm. When you know the hidden agenda, you know how to approach that particular pitch. So this book is about all those experiences. And of course, it's quite a funny book um, mm -hmm. uh, because we talk about things that happen maybe the night before yeah. um, or, or the, what happens on the day. I mean, yeah. one of the stories we tell is we went to, to do a thing with the, uh, a pitch for the health department. Yes. And they told us they've got everything. Um, you know, we wanted a TV set, a TV set, we wanted to project stuff. Yes. When we arrived there, there was nothing. So I sent John Smedle, one, uh, our copywriter, to go and buy a television from the Ellerin store downstairs. <laughs> so John goes and yeah. buys the thing, and he, he pays with his credit card. And he takes this television, he's carrying it in the morning, he's running. Oh my gosh. And someone, now look at the picture of this scene. Oh my gosh. It's a white guy carrying yeah. a television set, running in the morning. It's a black guy chasing after him. <laughs> and it looks like he stole this thing when in yeah. fact this man is chasing after yeah. him because he forgot his credit card. <laughs> that is hilarious. It's, it's, yeah. it's those kind of things. But, but the truth of the matter is we needed a TV yes. and he went to buy one. So th this those is, are the stories in the book. Yeah, no, yeah. the days of advertising. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but where can we get the book now if we want um, it you still? You can get it online. Okay, so just Google and you'll find it. And the good thing about it, the, the, the title, by the way, Black Jerusalem, is we formed an agency because we were entrepreneurs building a company. Suddenly this thing runs away with us. And every corner you go to, black people are telling us just how proud they yeah. are of what we had yeah. done. Because this thing just grew and became very, very big. Yeah. And we became the, the Black Jerusalem, you know. Oh, the, we were taking that, them to, this the, is we to the land of milk yeah. and honey. It, but we, suddenly we belonged to the community yeah. and we couldn't afford to fail, if you understand. Lots of pressure, hey? Yeah. Lots of pressure. I know because when we were coming in, um, obviously I started in a different agency, but we knew who you were. And, uh, and I remember there's one particular pitch we were competing and you won. Of course we did. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, what's your unique value proposition? What makes you memorable and impactful? I've always seen myself as a teacher. So when I work with people, I teach them how to do things and how to identify an insight. And I do this through telling a story. I'm a very good storyteller. And that's the one thing that I, I'd like to believe I've imparted. Uh, and, 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 and transferred to people. I, I teach them. I even teach the ones that are, are unteachable. You leave them <laughs> you with manage. a legacy of sorts. Yeah. By teaching them just how to identify an insight. And that's, yes. what, that's what this whole communication world is about. It's about finding okay. an insight yeah. and communicating it. The first time I laughed, you were presenting... At, uh, we were invited to this annual uh, communications uh, uh, conference in Swaziland. And you had people in stitches. I was not aware you had a mischievous side. Where does that come from? It depends. It depends yeah. where the audience is. Um, and I was talking about a, a subject which, which was the digital subject at the time. Yeah. And a lot of people at that time did not really understand this thing. And I, I felt, what would be the best way to communicate this? And I thought, make it light. Yes. And, and make people understand and play with it. Yes. Because part of it was interactive. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I guess it's all part of the storytelling uh, a bit. Yes. If you're going to tell a story, and keep people interested. And you. I had to go after you. Sorry. Yeah. Moving on again. <laughs> What's the most courageous decisions you've ever taken as a business leader? And how did it turn out? Look, I think the courageous decision was I was on a proper career trajectory, as they say. And I was really doing well for myself as an individual mm. in advertising at Ogilvy. And I took a decision to leave that and go start my own um, with, with my partners, of course. And... We didn't know how that was going to yeah. turn out. And it was 1991. Gosh. Um, so it was during the apartheid era. We didn't know where the support was going to come from. But as soon as that decision was made, there was no turning back. I really believe that that was the biggest decision I've ever made. And what also transpired out of that is that we, 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 we transformed an entire industry. And, and suddenly people discovered that our fellow black brothers could do this. And remember, the advantage we had is we were advertising practitioners. So, yeah. thank goodness, yeah. someone had taught us the, the craft. Yes. And then we came up with a unique uh, 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 offering. Mm. We understood 
all sides of the market, the white market and the black market. Yeah. And just of course, because you were black didn't mean you were just targeted to black people. No, no, no. And, and in fact, we also did not go out there to form an ad agency that would be populated by black people yeah. only. We had black and white. Mm. The ownership was black. Mm. And that was the most important yeah. thing. How was the, the journey though? I mean, was it worthwhile after it, all? It was worth every moment because, uh, I mean, we were involved with um, the, the, the voter education at the time. Mm. We did that entire voter education. People could not understand how it worked. When we worked on the ballot paper, yeah, because you designed that. Yes, a yeah. lot of people could not read. If you remember, people are going to vote, and we had to make it simple. How do the people then go into a voting booth and vote for the party they want to? Put the picture of the leader of the party. Ah, is that where that and came from? And made things simple. Okay. Yeah, and of course there was the small matter of um, the IFP coming in, not going in. Yeah. Coming. But, but we got involved with iconic events. Yes. Uh, one of my, 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 my joy and pride out there is whenever I land somewhere overseas yes. and I see an SAA flight in the parking lot, mm. call it that, I always look and I say, we did that. Yes, that is our tale. That we did that. Yeah, because it was it. a Springbok tale. It was indeed. Yeah. And it was called SALSAA, South Africans Alertins. And we changed it to South African and those colors, the entire corporate livery. Mm. We did that. And, you know, it travels all over the world. And I look through the window and yeah. I say, we did that. Regardless of how we're doing. Yeah. So I, I'd like to believe that we made a huge impact. Um, we changed the advertising industry completely. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, it, it hasn't moved as fast as it should. Mm -hmm. But... The point is, we transformed an industry. And you are right. I remember because my CEO had asked me to stand in for him, William Leach, mm. on the advertising um, board. Mm. And we signed the charter. Mm. That was 1996-7. Yeah, and, and it's regressed, unfortunately. Anyway, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, unfortunate. it's an unfortunate situation yeah. that it's regressed so much. You've transitioned a lot in your life. You've You've been really a powerful executive in powerful corporate brands. You've transitioned. You're now back working on your own and chairing boards as well. What lesson have you learned in terms of your personal brand? And for me, the most interesting part is what lesson and wisdom can you share? A lot of us are going through flux in terms of organizations and retrenchments. Senior managers are also getting retrenched. What wisdom can you share in terms of how we look after our brands as personal human beings, as human beings, but also how do people perceive us and what do they do or not do for us when we're out there on our own? Sure, it's been a, a topsy-turvy world. Um, I guess I was lucky. My brand as, as Happy Chingila, wherever I've been, I've been a success. Um, you know, taking that big stand to, to, to go and join a bank yeah. was for me, oh my goodness, what am I going to do there? Mm. But as soon as I arrived there, I realized, oh, this is a big job. This is a big brand. And we needed to compete 
with the rest. At the yeah. time when I joined, it was actually number three in uh, in, in 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 the ranking stakes. Yeah, uh, how I'm we forget that? I'm talking about APSA. Yeah. And um, within a year of my presence, it became number one, mm. and it stayed that way until mm. I left. Um, so, so I guess w the question is, what? How do you behave when you are a a particular kind of brand? Mm. You look after it, you know. Uh, if you work in the world that I've worked in, I've been a spin doctor. Um, I shouldn't be spinning myself. I should be spinning the brand that I work with. While I guess you behave in a proper manner and an exemplary manner in the in the corporate world. To you, the latter part of your question, though, is then you get out and you you, you become an entrepreneur again. Yes. It can be very lonely, Dudu, um, uh, because. For some reason, you remain relevant when, there's, when people need stuff from you because you are this top executive and you work for this big and company. Yeah. People uh, tend to see you as relevant during that time. As soon as you're out and you knock at their door, and this is, this is a terrible thing that, that I've experienced, but I have to share it because a lot of people experience it and black people need to stop it. Yes. Black people are not supporting each other. And they've got all the opportunities to support each other and build more and more industrialists and create more and more wealth. Yes. I do not see that happening in a gung-ho kind of fashion where people are saying, I'm out there to help others yes. because I have the opportunity. It is a big drawback that sits somewhere in our DNA and I don't yeah. know why. Because there's credibility. You had credibility, you have the qualifications, you are seen as a marketing guru when you're part of a big corporate. What is different about you when you're on your own? Shouldn't you be the same kind of person? Presumably, and I'm sure it's not that difficult for, yeah. for people like us who can push and push. Yeah. And I can tell you, by the way, excuse me, you're in that position you, uh, to be able to help me. Yes. Go ahead and help me so yes. I can help others. others. We all have a duty to do that yes. and we're not doing it. I totally understand that. So in 2013, you left the corporate world. You were the chief executive of Super Sport. Uh, you left due to health uh, challenges, uh, which we were very sorry about. Um, but today, what are you sure about when you think about life? What do you know for sure? And what insights can you share with regards to the life partners we choose and the vows that we take when we say in sickness and in health? The one big lesson that came out of that and by the way the, the super sport job is a really cool job you know you, <laughs> I can imagine. you buy sports right yeah and make sure that the rights are there you go and watch the grand prix in monte carlo <laughs> oh my okay? gosh um, yeah but what i discovered because you know i was training for comrades i was mm. i was i was really riding the crest of a wave and suddenly i wake up one day i'm sick and and you discover it's not just an illness. You've got a blood clot. You know, it humbled me. And I had to make a call because I had to undergo treatment for nine months. And I had to stay at home and stop working. The, the, the biggest shock is if you've been grinding it for 28 years. Yes. How do you stop? And you wake up one day and you've got nowhere to go, it can be very, very daunting. Wow. But what it does, though, 
depending on how, how strong you are, mm. and I am very, very strong-willed. Um, and this will, this strong-willed part comes from hospital after I'd, I'd seen myself one morning in the mirror and I said, who's that guy? Because I'd lost weight, I was really, really going through a tough time. Mm. And you come back home now, you've got to sit at home and, and do nothing. Mm. I discovered my spiritual being. Wow. Because you can, you can sit and, and read leadership books, etc., etc. But somehow, I, I got an opportunity to dig deep into myself in order to take myself out of this quandary, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, because you wake up to, what, sit and eat breakfast, eat lunch, hmm. eat supper and then sleep and, yeah. and tomorrow yeah. again. So, so that's when I, I decided, first I look after my health. So that's, that's, that was the nine months that I, I, I took. And I discovered some things about, about myself that yeah. you do need to slow down. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very important thing to do. People must slow down. Because what are we chasing? <laughs> the dollar. I we, mean, yeah. really? You know, look, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious, with, with being a hard worker and, and doing the best you can for your family. And the best you can for the, for the good of the country. Yes. But your health is very important. You know, I remember writing a tweet sitting here at home because I had just recovered and I could, I could start um, running. And I wrote a tweet that says, the best gift of life is health. Yeah. Your health. Because if you can't get up, uh, then you, you, you vegetate. Yeah. And a lot of us take that for granted. We do, because yeah. so, we, we know we're going to get up. And then when we can't get up, then it's like... When you can't get up, you know, when right now I'm injured, I cannot run. Mm. And it's frustrating. So what, I get tempted to go and run. But you'll injure yourself more. Precisely, so I need to take it easy. Oh. I've learned my lessons. Yeah. Anyway, I've gone back to my trainer this year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it sticks. <laughs> anyway, um, which business leader did or alive? must be South African that you admire most, you've been inspired by, and what qualities do they embody that you are attracted to? I really, really do admire and respect Ruel Koza. Mm -hmm. And purely because when I first met him, he was running his own little shop. He has stayed true. What was the shop? Coordinated marketing. It was oh, a, was it? Yeah, it was a management consultancy doing research. Okay. And... And I have always found him to be hardworking. I've always found him to pursue his dream, and he has pursued his dreams. And he is strong on governance. Mm. His ethics are very, yeah. very good. And I've always admired that man. And, and if you look at what's happened with his own career, and he's kept it clean, yes. I, I really, really uh, have, been, have been inspired by him. And he does talk his mind, yeah. uh, speak his mind, rather. Yeah. And at some point, you know, he did make some points that that didn't go down well. But with it, upon reflection, everybody yeah. looks at what he said, and yeah. he was correct. But it's about living in integrity, isn't it? True. That you live your values, mm -hmm. and sometimes they're not going to be appreciated. Precisely. But you just. Yeah, but know. that's the man who's inspired. Yeah. At least we know the same man, so it's fine. Um, I left the advertising agency about eighteen years ago, and my thinking was that I was feeling like. I'm at the end of the value chain when it comes to strategic thinking. 
because it's kind of like you just have to execute something. But a lot of things that have an impact in terms of what we were doing in advertising could be whether the product is good quality or distribution. It could be many other things that impact it, uh, whether the product moves or not. So I just felt like, uh, you know, it was not something for me. But David Ogilvy, the agency you worked in, said 99% of advertising does not sell much of anything. What do you think about that? Well, that's David Ogilvy, right? Yeah. And I, I had the pleasure of meeting him and I drove him around Soweto. Oh, did you? How and, was that? And he said to me, so young man, what would you like me to teach you? <laughs> I said, just tell me the one thing that I need to remember you by yes. and that I can tell to clients in the advertising world. Yeah. And he said, you cannot sell a bum product. So you can have tons and tons of dollars. Yes. As long as the product doesn't deliver, you will not sell it. Because advertising will be blamed to you to remove yes. anything. However, I disagree with him on the bit yes. about 1%. Yes. Because advertising will determine which product you're going to pick up as you walk down the aisle in the supermarket. So it's good for brand awareness. Precisely, because... As a, in in advertising, I always say in the world in the in, in the in, in the world of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> During yeah. a recession, yes. when everybody stops advertising, I always say continue. Gosh, that is the time because to do when it. it goes away, yes, they'll remember you. Yes. So I don't agree with David Ogilvy here. Well, you How know what? Is that? They, uh, yeah, no, it's always <laughs> good to disagree. Um, yeah, I see his point, uh, but I also see the other point. When all things are equal, advertising will work. Yes. But if you do, uh, but I suppose in the context of the value chain, sometimes I just want to be at the beginning of it. As long as you remember that the advertising is meant to influence behavior. Yes. Right. And sometimes it influences behavior so much that you don't even remember the product that was being advertised when the idea is bigger than the product yeah. itself. And Sometimes that's where people it's the music. Lose it. Sometimes people remember the music, they don't know what the product is. Yeah. That's not So, so that's when advertising has failed. Yeah. I, yeah, we've That's had where many. the insight I always talk yes. about comes yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to enjoy my advertising days, I must say, but then it's time to move on. Um, do you have a bucket list? What what are things that you still want to accomplish? I'm now at that point where I'm working for the next phase. Uh, I need to start another head voice type thing. Oh, really? And uh, yes. Do uh, tell. No, not now. <laughs> um, okay. But, but that, that is my, what's left on my bucket list so that I can leave a legacy yeah. that can pull the ones that come after me and they continue that legacy. So that's my bucket list. You know, the one thing we didn't get into, you know, with your health challenges, what, what did you learn about choosing a life partner? Because a lot of us just go according to very superficial things. Support system. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's the support system that is, that is important to you. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget uh, having a conversation with my son. And, and I, said, I, I asked him this question. When I was going through all of that, what went through your mind? Mm. He, said, he said to me, the one thing I knew was that you were going to pull through. And it's that support, support system that, that, I'm, that, I, that I'm talking about. Yeah. 
Um, and I guess for me, the, the opportunity through that adversity to sit and reflect and pull yourself out of it because you have to use your brain to pull yourself out of it. The medication and other stuff is going to assist you. But to heal, yes. you need to fight it with your brain. Mm. You know, one of the things I needed to do was to, because my lungs were affected, was to, at some point I was at 42% lung function. And, and the doctor said to me I needed to walk 50 meters this way and 50 meters that way to, uh, uh, just to get the lungs going. Yeah. Well, from here to, to, the, to, the, to the boom gate at the top there yeah. is 280 meters. I used to walk 280 meters, not his 50 meters. He were pushing you even that there. That way and that way. And, you know, within, within a month, I was on 75% lung wow. function. That's how I was That's fighting. That's the spirit, hey? Precisely. Mm. Did you notice that nine months? <laughs> Gestation period. I just thought, you know, there's something there. Um, you know, just before we wrap up, what lesson can you teach us about choosing business partners? What do you look for? You've started companies with partners. You, what do you, you look for? You look for, um, I mean, it sounds cliche, but cliched, but you, you look for like-minded people. But you also look for people who are different to you because everybody's got a different skill set. But most importantly, you've got to share the same value system. Mm. Values. You've got to share the same value system because if you don't, how then do you become real partners? Because the value system is, is going to be what determines the governance within your organization, yes. isn't it? Mm. And you can't be pulling each other. No, this no you right. can't. Or you can't be sitting in a board meeting having an argument about values. Yeah. So, yeah, but okay. like-minded people, same, same value system, and everyone must bring something different, to the party. a different set, a skill set to, to the party, yeah. and you're likely to succeed. Just to wrap up, I've really enjoyed this. It's a different part of you that I've gotten to know, which is always nice. Mm -hmm. It's like every time I meet you, I'm, I'm like peeling an onion, but without my eyes like crying. Um, in wrapping up, you know, what wisdom would you want to share? If this is the last thing you've ever said to the world, what would you want us to know? It's become my, my kind of uh, sermon. Mm -hmm. We need to teach the young people business, not teach them to go get a, uh, uh, qualifications and then go look for a job. We need to teach them. So when, when they ask to be mentored, we need to bring them in and mentor them in a way that they think business, not go work for someone else. That is really one thing that I want to, 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 to share. So um, I'm really, really hoping that I can start an academy of sorts where creative people can go and express themselves through their ideas that are then converted into business. Yeah, how to monetize those ideas. I'm really, really uh, hoping that that can be done. I'm sure you will do it. I will do my part, but a lot of us need to all come together, come together and say, 
let us teach kids about business, not go get a job. Yeah. I'm having one with my mentee at the moment whose idea is I'm youth, so I understand content, I understand social media, so give me a job. I'm like, no, 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 no. When you're no longer youth, what are you going to be selling? So have a craft and convince me you understand my brand and what I'm trying to do. And regardless of whether you're 20 or whether you're 30 or 40, I will give you the job because that's your business, you know, selling yourself. So it's that mindset change and it's, uh, it's yes. an interesting one. Yeah, there's a kid I met. Um, I didn't know him and he's a technician at some store and, and we, I, I got to know him. And he told, he, te- he told me he's a carpenter. Yeah. And I said, so what are you doing here? Mm. No, I haven't got money to buy tools. And I said, fine, I'll facilitate that so that you become a carpenter. Yeah. And one of the... A skill, skill in exa- that. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the companies that I'm involved with, in, uh, where I'm a shareholder, needs that skill. So the next level is for us to support him mm. so that he's got a business yes. as a carpenter. Yeah. Instead of him becoming a... He's, he's, he's playing around being a technician, which is something that he really doesn't want yeah. to do, but he has to do because it's a job. Yes. Now he's doing his, 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 the little bit that is going to hopefully build a business for him. Yeah. It's that kind of thinking yeah. that, I'm, that, I, that, I, that I hope we can push out there. As Africans, particularly. As Africans, particularly. Don't you love being African? I hope you enjoy that. Another episode of Wisdom Personified. Happy Jingila. He left me very happy. Are you happy? <laughs> Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durum Somi. Please also like, follow, and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.